Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. On this second Sunday of Lent, our Church invites us to reflect upon the great and mysterious story of the Transfiguration. Jesus, like Moses before him, goes up Mount Tabor, and he takes with him Peter, James, and John, and he's miraculously transfigured. His face becomes dazzling white, his clothes as radiant as light. Jesus begins to shine. Now, this scene has captivated theologians and poets and artists for centuries on end. And so it begs the question, what does this event mean for us? And why does the church ask us, especially during this time of Lent, to reflect upon it? Well, what I'd like to do is turn it to St. Thomas Aquinas. I think Aquinas helps us to answer those questions in his interpretation of the gospel. First, Aquinas says, It was fitting for Jesus that he should manifest all of his glory because those walking the arduous path need from time to time a clear sense of the goal. And so what is the arduous path, the difficult path? Well, it's life itself. Life is not easy. With all of its trials, with all of its difficulties, its failures, the fear of death, as we make our way through this life, we are making the arduous journey. And so, what's the goal of our journey? Well, the beatific vision, standing right next to God in heaven, the light of heaven bathing upon us. This transfiguration and the glorious state God has designed for us, that is our goal. Therefore, it's important for us, from time to time, to get a glimpse of the goal for us all so that we can continue on the arduous path of life. Now, the disciples have been walking this difficult path with Jesus, which culminates at the crucifixion. And so the question would be, what will give the apostles the courage to go on if they witness Jesus dying on the cross? Well, the answer, this glimpse of heaven, the glimpse of the goal, this momentary breakthrough of the glory of heaven, That gives the apostles the motivation to continue on. Therefore, it's only fitting that Jesus should show the apostles the glory of Jesus Christ and his radiance, which he will configure upon us when we arrive at the goal, which is heaven. Now, mind you, we are not meant for this world. We never were. Rather, its transcendent goal is held out for us. Therefore, The transfiguration awakens in us a sense of wonder, a sense of amazement of the eternal life that Jesus Christ holds out for each and every one of us. Now, why is light so emphasized in this story of the transfiguration? Well, because our resurrected bodies have distinctive qualities to it. One of them is radiance. 
You know, it isn't funny. Across the centuries, people often associate holiness with light. Think of the fact that we see depictions or pictures of saints. They always have halos over their head. Well, that's the radiance of God shining upon them. You know, there's that great story of Mother Teresa. Malcolm McGrudge was an English writer and filmmaker. And in 1969, he took his camera crew to Calcutta to film the life and the work of Mother Teresa. Now, prior to this, Mother Teresa was regionally known, moderately well-known for her things and what she has done for caring for the poor. But after this film, she was made known to the entire world. And so McGrudge and his crew filmed Mother Teresa for several days. Well, one day, the film crew was brought to a clinic for the dying and the destitute. And this clinic had a very dark interior. Now, this well-experienced camera crew went to McGrudge and they said, you know, this is hopeless. We can't shoot any film in here. There's no way. It's too dark. Well, McGrudge said, film anyways. Let's just see what we get. So they were shooting film for several hours in this darkened clinic as Mother Teresa went about caring for the poor. Well, after a few days, they finished filming. They wrapped everything up and they went home to London to begin producing the film. As they began to watch the film, especially the film of that day in which they were in that darkened clinic, they were all shocked. Especially at McGrudge. McGrudge was amazed that within that darkened clinic, there was this beautiful light, and it seemed to follow Mother Teresa wherever she went in that clinic. McGrudge noted, he said, Why not? The light often is associated with holiness, and what we saw in that film was the radiance of God's light. Well, several weeks ago, I read an article about a story of a young man who was in World War II, towards the end of the war. He was stationed in Italy, and he heard stories about Padre Pio and the miracles associated with him, especially the stigmata. And so he and his friend wanted to see Padre Pio. So they walked to a nearby church where Padre Pio was having Mass. And as that Padre Pio elevated the host at the time of the consecration, this young man saw a glow around the host as well as his hands. What they saw was the radiance of the divine shining on the host in Padre Pio's hands. Well, so too, we hear the same thing in the story of the transfiguration. Jesus glows. He shines. And so you may ask, why is this association of light always with God? Well, light illuminates things. We see things more clearly with light. And holy people illuminate our world, maybe even our life, if we know them. In their light, we see the truth of things in this world more clearly. They become a beacon of holiness, pointing to the presence of God in this world. Another reason why light is associated with God is because light is just beautiful. Thomas Aquinas says, Beauty occurs at the intersection of three things. Holiness, harmony, and radiance. Well, holiness is beautiful. It's compelling and alluring. So Jesus, in his transfiguration, allows beauty, the beauty of his light, to show through and captivate his apostles. Next, 
Thomas Aquinas talks about the witnesses and why they were there, these five witnesses to the transfiguration. Well, Peter, James, and John, we know they were followers of Jesus. But there's also that magnificent detail of Moses and Elijah appearing. Now, we have to remember, Moses and Elijah died hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And yet, now they are seen alive and talking to Jesus. Well, all these people, they bear witness to the transfiguration. So, again, it begs the question, why these five in particular were able to bear witness to this event and no one else? Well, again, we refer back to Thomas Aquinas. And he says, Jesus' significance is such that it transcends time and space. Jesus is for all times, for all space and all nations. Moses and Elijah were ancient figures from Israelite history. They stand for the whole past that Jesus saves. Peter, James, and John, they stand for the present, but also they represent the future because through their preaching, Jesus' message goes out to all the ages. Well, here we have the past, the present, and the future together. All are gathered as witnesses to the manifestation of Jesus' glory. Now, at our liturgy, every time we gather for Mass, when we hold up the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, we are calling together all of God's people through space and time. We call upon all witnesses of the past, of the present, now, but also all those who will come until the end of time. Jesus holds together the past, the present, and the future. More to it, we can even be more specific about why these five figures are witnesses. Take Moses, for example. We know he is the lawgiver. He gives the Israelites the Torah, the Ten Commandments. Jesus now is the new Moses. Because Jesus is the giver of the new law and the new covenant in his blood, in which he mentions at the time of the Last Supper, Jesus now gives us the ultimate pattern for our lives to follow. And so that's why Moses is present. How about Elijah? He is seen by biblical Jews as the greatest of all the prophets. Elijah sums up the life and the ministry of a prophet, which is what? to proclaim God's truth, to speak God's words. If you look at the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all speakers of God's divine word. Who is Jesus? Well, he's not just a speaker of the divine word. He is the divine word. Jesus is God's word made flesh. Therefore, Jesus is the new Elijah. How about Peter, James, and John? Why are they there? Well, it's very simple. It's because they loved Jesus. How do we have access to Jesus in our life? Through our love of him. If you were to ask me to sum up Christianity in one sentence, I would say Christianity is about falling in love with Jesus Christ. Do you want access to the divine glory of God in your life? Well, the love of Jesus Christ is the way. And see, this is why our church gives us the story of the transfiguration. It's a great icon to keep with us as we move through this season of Lent, as we move through the arduous path of life, 
reminding us of the goal, now and for all of eternity. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.